Hey guys, before we get started today, wanted to remind you that ESPN is now in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, and they're presenting not just football with Cam Hayward, friend of the show. You guys know him. You love him. He is, of course, a five-time pro bowler, Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle. Probably should have said that first. Uh, And every week with his new podcast, you're going to hear about his life. He's also going to give you his unfiltered thoughts on the league and headlines across all sports. It's not just football with Cam Hayward. Listen wherever you get your pods. Welcome back to the Munichheim Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast one of the hosts is biased against the Panthers, Bengals, Jags. There's another cat. Charles Lions, Lions, the biggest cat of all. Am I missing any other ones? I don't think so. I think I got them all. No, I think that's it. Oh, that's why you're here. And um, before we get started on today's division preview, first of all, that's Charles McDonald, frequent guest, host of the Exempt List, which is a very good NFL podcast that you guys should check out. I have been on it. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't yeah. get a second invite. I think I've only been on once, right? No, uh, no, 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 no. You've had two invites. The first oh, episode, right. then you did another episode. Yeah, first episode had a brief appearance. Yeah. I don't really yeah. count that. It doesn't make my IMDb. Um, okay, so you've only had one then. Only yeah, one real, right. real uh, appearance. Um, okay, so we're previewing the, the NFC South, and I'm actually extremely excited to preview the NFC South. It's one of those divisions where I came out of it a lot more excited than when I went into it, I guess. But before we get to that, I have a very important question to ask you. Okay. Do you study film for over four hours a week? Um, <laughs> in the off season, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And uh, during the season, I might watch more film than Kyler Murray. So uh, I definitely might. <laughs> that is why, of course, I'm asking for those of you who are not as terminally online as us and miss this story. Um, a detail from Kyler Murray's contract with the car, with a, a contract that I think like was kind of boring and there was nothing to talk about, right? Because it was just like a very standard quarterback contract, nothing crazy in the way it guarantees. But uh, a very interesting detail came out, first reported, I believe, by Ian Rappaport, which is that the Cardinals basically put in a homework clause for Kyler Murray, not only saying yep. he has to study four hours a week. And, you know, there's been reports in the past about his study habits and some of those from him himself, by the way, saying he doesn't have to study. But they also uh, added some caveats, one of which is he can't have video games going while he studies uh, or TV or the Internet. The Internet. That would be hard for me, actually, to go. Very hard. (laughs) Very hard. Very hard. Um, This is weird, Charles, because like I actually don't find this well. It's weird for no reason. It's not a normal thing in NFL contract. We start right there, but I don't really know who has what to gain from this getting out because everybody just kind of looks bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know why the Cardinals want this to get out. Kyler or his agent want this to get out. Uh, it's kind of bizarre, but <laughs> it did remind me of like when I played football. Uh, I mean, I never made it, you know, very far, but I did play Division Three football uh, at Gettysburg, and I remember the, when the contract came out, there were people who were like. You know, how are they even going to check and see how much time Kyler's spending and watching film? Buddy, that happened to me once because <laughs> I remember my coach was like, why are you never watching the film? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm on there all the time. And they pulled up my huddle account <gasps> where they can see how much time people are spending watching the film. And, you know, uh, it does. It, you, you can get caught up pretty easily. That's what I would say. And also, Kyler, yeah. if you listen to this, don't do that thing like where uh, – you just leave it running in the background. I was just about all, to say that. That's, that's what yeah. I always do with uh, earmuffs uh, 
people who employ me when you have to do like training for stuff like you know um yeah how to do your sensitive you just kind of let it roll and click <laughs> oh gosh I, yeah. I probably shouldn't admit it never mind that's a hypothetical no, hypothetical right and I, I had a coach who was like okay well I don't, I, you watching 10 minutes of film is bad enough, but I don't believe you're watching nine hours of film in a day. I'm like, ah, you gotta find that got sweet me. spot. You gotta find that gotta sweet, find sweet spot. spot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I thought I was getting all of them when we had our film sessions after the games, but no, you gotta watch during the weekend. Uh, I'm sure that their, their software is more sophisticated than the one that we had too. Listen, gamers. Lift your mans up this week for getting called out for gaming too much. Uh, I thought Ted yeah. Wynn, who was on the pod last week, had a good suggestion, which is uh, some team needs to figure out how to just gamify this or integrate it with Matt fully to just trick <laughs> the, the Gen Zers into studying. Oh, my God. You got to figure it out. Um, I have nothing else to say about that. I don't know. I feel bad. I, I actually do feel bad because I feel like it's an, kind of an embarrassing look. Uh, I don't know. And... Um, I don't really have Washington much to say. Boring, man. That's the thing that like people don't get, I think, about football players is that not fo- football players that they don't want to spend all their time on football. Like, you'd be surprised how many players like don't watch teams that don't directly parlay to like what they're about to do that yeah. Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, like I, I wasn't surprised that they kind of had to put this in, but it was a little jarring. Like, man, like, you had to get that written. Yeah. Like, default if you get in trouble with that. $100 million. Uh... Oof. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw people saying, well, yeah, if you don't trust your quarterback, why would you pay him that much money? Because you have you play? seen him play? Yeah, he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> he's just like whatever. Pretty good. <laughs> I actually feel bad because, again, I, I feel like I'm like, I've definitely erred on more of the Kyler defender side of things, especially amongst my colleagues. And um, that freaking Arizona Cardinals account on Twitter just keeps chirping, chirping at me. Yeah, and gotta I got I had to fight back. Charles, listen. You're the devil on my shoulder when it comes to <laughs> internet behavior. So I consulted the angel on my shoulder, Field Yates, and he gre- uh, he greenlit it. So I yeah. don't know, man. I, yeah, you know, if you had sent me that tweet, I've said turn it up. But <laughs> I dialed it down. There was some actually. <laughs> uh, just stop chirping. Stop chirping, guys. Yeah. Come on. This is the second time. Like, come on. Come on. Just leave it alone. All right. That's that. Uh, oh, the other piece of news I wanted to mention is um, uh, Chris Carson, CS running back. Just retired today at the age of 27, neck injury. I think the writing was kind of on the wall for this when they drafted Kenneth Walker, right, in the second yeah. round, and also paid Rashad Penny. Um, but just setting aside, the Seahawks will be fine. They actually have, I think, one of the better running back groups in the NFL. Chris Carson, um, seventh-round draft pick, battled his way into being the starter and getting a second contract, which I now i am so glad he got that contract. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Just because, obviously, his career is cut short, and this is – NFL man like that you, this is why we want players to get paid the second time um one of my favorite backs to watch in recent years like what a gift to Seahawks fans to have him after Marshawn Lynch just another incredibly like so much fun violent just I posted the clip of the uh, him just absolutely sunning Harrison Smith which is one of my favorite <laughs> runs but it was hard to choose like I was trying to go through my mental catalog of my favorite Chris Carson runs ended up watching a few and they're just so fun yeah it was it was sad I mean because especially when you see you, I, I guess for me it was sad because like man like, it's so much fun to watch someone play football in that manner but you have to remember like on the other side there's some there's a body taking a lot of beating and i guess these are like some of the unfortunate consequences of that yeah i think about like him and cam and i'm like man yeah. those are two of my favorite players but i guess sometimes when you play like that that takes something for you but i, I think it's something from you i should say but 
I was happy that he was that the Seahawks kind of did right by him and they let him get that money at the end of the deal because definitely going to need some of that as you deal with some of the stuff moving forward. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays around football. I mean, that dude, yeah, workout monster, just absolutely loves the game from all accounts. Similar to Cam, by the way. Um, okay, so that's the news. We are here to talk about the NFC South. Um, I let, let's start with one of those aforementioned cat teams that Lenny hates. Let's start with the Panthers, who I actually kind of find interest. I, I do find interesting, certainly more interesting now than before they traded for Baker Mayfield. Um, not, which is not to say I think Baker Mayfield like is it, you know, puts this team over the top or anything. But when I went back, Charles, and like looked at the roster, there's problems, certainly. But I actually thought there was like more talent, not just more talent than I remembered, but more replacement level NFL players. Like as much as, you know, I I, I think this front office deserves some criticism, but I, I liked their offseason. Like when I was going through, first of all, I love the Ike Kwanu pick. I love that they didn't take a quarterback there when it happened at six. But then when I was kind of going through at some of the like the kind of signings they've made, whether it was, you know, bringing back Dante Jackson, signing Matt Ioannidis, um, and uh, what about on the offensive line, bringing in Bradley Bozeman and Austin Corbett? I'm not saying these are like stars, but they definitely made this look more like a complete team. Yeah, I'm. I mean, the defense should have really high expectations this year. I think they were uh, a good unit last year. I think that kind of got lost down the stretch as uh, <laughs> the offense like just totally imploded basically yeah. every single week to close the season. Uh, but they still have some dudes on defense. I mean, Brian Burns is obviously leading things off. Uh, you're going to get J.C. Horn back from injury. Got Shaq Thompson. Like, there's playmakers at yes. every level of the defense. And uh, I, I think, like you said, replacement talent's a good word because there's just a lot of guys that are quality football players here. And then on offense, the huge problem for them was uh, the offensive line. And it, it was kind of like one of those units where you have one one player who I think is really damn good in Taylor Moten. Yes, and he, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're surrounded by trash, right? Like it, it's a sum of its parts kind of thing. So you get uh, uh, a in the first round, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, and it looks like they're going to slide in like yeah. Brady Christensen at guard. I think I saw them talking about that today. So it's a that's a it's good a, hope. It's a, it's a, it's a if Aquanu is good, you know, everyone expects it yeah. to be like incredible from the jump. We'll see, but if he plays to his talent level obviously there's always a little bit of adjustment not always you watch for Sean's later but like that's suddenly it's like damn they have two good tackles the interior you got some NFL players I I mean and then like there's let's start with the offense because you know that's obviously where the the sexiest competition right now is happening um outside of of course the NFC West uh in the Seahawks um I okay let's say Baker Mayfield wins this job I think he should win this job we can talk about that I don't think he's being put in a position to fail. Like I, when when we were talking about Mayfield and where he might end up, I was like, well, you know, I think it would be, I would go Browns, Seahawks, Panthers, just because of the Seahawks, the skill players, the Browns, obviously, you know, the they have a very good offensive line, although not very good skill players, I think, you know, and you kind of sit back. Um, but and then the Panthers, I put last. But then, like after thinking about it, you know, I mean, Robbie Anderson is coming off of a really, really probably the worst year of his career. But yep. oh, they also, by the way, offseason kept DJ Moore. So him, Anderson, reunited with Higgins, Christian McCaffrey comes back, and then this offensive line that, like, should be at least average. I don't know, man. Like, I don't think – probably the worst thing about the situation for Baker Mayfield is Ben McAdoo, who hates him. Right. 
but, <laughs> absolutely despises him apparently but other than that like the team is actually not that bad around him no it, it's not i i, I it, it's it's easy to make fun of the panthers i think there's a lot of reason to make fun of the panthers for how they've uh handled their quarterback situation but when you kind of run down what your final product is here you know as we walk into training camp at the end of july you know, it's a much better unit than it was last year. And I think even some of the stuff that they added on the offensive line, now you have depth too. Yeah. Uh, this might be a, a big nerd point, but me and uh, my buddy Justice Mosqueda, who's been on here before, mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of nerding out about one of the day three picks they made in Cade Mays from Tennessee. Uh, he's a former five-star who played at Georgia. I think he started as a freshman there. And kind of like uh, Trey Smith the year before, just a, a really talented offensive line from Tennessee that kind of fell all the way down. So I'm kind of surprised. I, I kind of think that they might have two rookie starters from this draft by the end hmm. of the season hmm. uh, on the offensive line. That might be my nerd little hot take no, for the Panthers. It's... But overall, but... this is a it's, it's a much better roster, I think, than it was this time last year. If you're a Panthers fan, I think you should be so much happier that your team grabbed Iquanu and then got Mayfield for nothing. Versus taking a quarterback and continuing to have a revolving door around left tackle. Like, to me, we've talked about, I think, um, who was on? I think maybe Derek was on talking when we talked about the Panthers. The Baker Mayfield trade is the best thing they've done at the quarterback position with this administration. I mean, he costs $5 million this year. um, And then if they want to keep him, they can tag him in 2023 if he plays well, you know, but they have that option. Obviously, Matt Corral's there too. I guess I, I, I skipped over this, so I should probably discuss it. Um, Baker Mayfield should win this job, right? Like, I, I even last year oh, yeah. when he was banged up and awful, he was still better than Sam Darnold, including an interception rate, which shocked me, but actually shouldn't have shocked me. And, and aside from that, he actually did try to push the ball downfield. Um, I just don't see, like, I, setting aside my, like, um, bloodlust for week one, Carolina, Cleveland, like from a football perspective alone, like it, it does seem like Baker Mayfield has at least put together stretches of competent quarterback play, you know, all of 2020, some of his rookie, his rookie season, 2018, you know, and I say competent quarterback play. I don't think he was like a superstar. Obviously he was really bolstered by his surroundings, but Sam Darnold, it's only been like very small spurts here and there. And I, and I you know, at, at times I was kind of like, damn, damn, he looks okay there, but and you you were around the Jets a lot. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it should be Mayfield over Sam, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Like, because the thing with Sam is, and like you said, there's spurts where you look at Sam like, holy crap, like this guy could be a top five quarterback. But that's like such a small percentage uh, of his games and his reps at this point. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's, no, there's no point in looking at Sam as anything other right now than one of the worst starting quarterbacks uh, in the league. And I think Baker... I, I expect Baker, like, if he's healthy to be at least average production-wise, and we've seen Baker have good seasons just from a production standpoint. We haven't seen that from Sam, so, yeah. uh, I, I, like, I don't know. I'm, I I think that I buy that they want this to be a quarterback competition going into camp just because, you know, Sam's been there for a year. Baker's only been there for a few weeks at this point. But there's really no comparison in terms of, like, who is actually the better option for them to start this thing off and. Uh, it's easily Baker. Like I, Sam has never put together, you know, eight game stretches where he looks competent. It's just like you know, a game here, a half there, and it kind of makes you you wish about what could happen if the consistency was there. Mm-hmm. But Baker has definitely put together more than Sam at this point. I just kind of wonder, like, 
Why did you draft Matt Corral? Like, yeah, well, I mean, that was... What, is this, what is this for? I, I know it was before, but like... But they were in talks with Mayfield during the draft. This has been reported, right. so they they waited them out smartly. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was an confusing. I mean... I, I, yeah, I do think that they're in a better spot, obviously, now with Baker than they were before without Baker. But it is kind of funny how many picks and how much money they spent on a Baker, Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Matt Corral quarterback room. Corral was fourth round? Third round. They traded up again. Third. Ooh. I was going to say if it's fourth, it's like, eh. But trading up for there's a little different. Um, yeah. Especially because they went like, so they had the first pick at six where they took the offensive lineman and then they didn't have a pick until 100 and they uh, traded up from 100 to like 80-something from that. And there's a lot of other things they could have done. I mean, I get, you know, I get, Corral's sort of developmental, so I could see them just kind of throwing it at the wall and seeing what they've got. It is a little bit. I mean, the Panthers are so confusing because it's like very unclear what timeline they're on, right? Like we're going to talk about the Falcons at some yeah. point. Everybody knows what timeline the Falcons are on, uh, the darkest timeline, to be clear. But um, yeah. with the Panthers, it's kind of like, are they trying to win now? Are they trying to be competitive? Are they building for the future? Who's who's trying to save their job? This has always been kind of confusing. I felt like the Mayfield move does a really nice job of kind of like straddling all of those things. So I guess if they really love Corral or his potential, maybe he's kind of in the like, okay, well, we want one foot in the long-term thing, one foot in the immediate thing. Um, it's like Goldilocks though, right? Where it's like, mm, nothing, none of these are going to really... I, I, the, my biggest question is not whether Baker or Mayfield should win the job. I think we both agree on that. It's what this offense will look like with him. I think we've all seen Baker Mayfield be more successful in, of course, the Browns, um, you know, very play action centric outside zone run scheme offense. Um, I don't think like that's unless I'm mistaken, I don't think Ben McAdoo has ever really put together an offense like that in the NFL. I have to really go back and think through all of his various spots. No, who, who, Certainly not with the Giants. The last... No, because Eli was kind of too old to do some of that right. stuff by that, that point. That's what makes it tricky, uh, right? Because it's like, uh, you know, you have different quarterbacks. I never want to rule out and be like, he's not going to do this just because coaches sometimes are just kind of responding to the quarterbacks they're given as the teams. But it is it is a very different style from what we've seen. Yeah, much different style. Uh, I mean, Matthew hasn't even really done much since he was the Giants head coach uh, back in what, like 2016, 2017? Oh, yeah, because the boat picture was like 2017. So that's when that was he was uh, the boat coach. Yeah, he was a coach for that. And then mm-hmm. uh, he was with Jacksonville in 2020, and now he's with the Panthers. So I don't really know what this is going to look like. Maybe he's taken, like, the last six years to just, you know, re- reinvent himself as an offensive mind. But, I mean, I, I feel like the, the plan for this offense is kind of clear to me because right. you have success of what Baker has done. And – if Christian McCaffrey, like uh, that, probably is a pretty big. If I, I, I like, mentioned Christian McCaffrey once. Right. I'm, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, he's only he's only. I mean, he's only played ten games in the last two seasons, so it, it, it's kind yeah. of mm-hmm. it's kind of fair to be a little bit like I don't know what this is going to be because of running backs that can be tricky. But I mean, you have all the all the pieces to run like some play action offense if you want to. That that uh, Stefanski and the Browns were running. You see all over the league. You got the offensive line for it that can move. Uh, you got a running back, and I think you've got some receivers that can really take advantage with their athleticism, too. Yeah. I think more will be better this year. Or my, 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 Anderson, pardon me. Um, McCaffrey's still so good. If I'm Carolina, I really 
given the contract, I think there really needs to be a concerted effort to protect him a bit more and yeah. lower his usage. But you're right; they do have the pieces to do something pretty similar. If that, especially if this, like Ike Kwanu is like the old, is like the perfect lineman for that, right? And um, oh yeah. And so it, and I would say also, you know, Bozeman and Corbett make sense too. Um, so. I don't know. I'm curious. Uh, this is definitely going to be one of the training camps I want to keep an eye on the most just to see. I think it, it'll be I, what I want to see is like, OK, are they going to let Mayfield win the job? And is McAdoo going to change? Well, we know he changes his style because that man has a new hairstyle every stop. <laughs> it's incredible. So, you know what, yeah. folks? He's shown flexibility in that regard of his life. Um, why not on the football field as well? All right, let's bump to the defense. You, you alluded to some of the talent there. Um Player, I'm, I mean, well, Brian Burns is an absolute superstar. I do think there's a challenge up front with Hassan Reddick. You know, when they did that deal with Hassan Reddick, I was like, this is a great deal. And Bill Barnwell, who's always smarter than me, is like, not really. And I was like, well, you know, why? And he said, well, if he's good, he's gone. <laughs> so they're like, right, I made this like right. one year deal. And uh, Bill is correct. Hassan Reddick is gone. He was good. And now they really need uh, Yetter, 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 Gross Matos. Yeah. To step up. He is not. Uh, you know, really been, he was a second round pick. So I, I don't want to say, yeah. you know, he hasn't like totally lived up to his potential, but he's certainly not been, you know, an exceptional producer thus far. Um, I don't, he, and he certainly hasn't been as good as Redick, right? So I think that's going to be right. something for, for me. It's like, okay, is this defense like good or great? A lot of that will depend on gross matters. Yeah. It, it, they, it not, he's not the only, you know, 2020, early round pick that I kind of need to oh, ratchet Brown. things up because Derek Brown, yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't really done, you know, much of anything, especially as far as like being a pass rusher. Yes. Uh, I felt, I felt bad because last year, uh, you know, the, I think the Pro Bowl voting is a little bit more inclusive than it used to be. And Derek Brown had a, uh, Posted that he wanted to go to the Pro Bowl with his own hashtag Pro Bowl vote thing. Oh and no! They, they they got on him. I was I like, like Wait, he's supposed to believe in himself, though. He's supposed to believe himself. Let him let him let, let him live. Uh, but they they need more. Like I think the run defense should be good, right? Yeah, they have good depth. They have good depth on the that, inside. Um, I don't know who's linebacker who's starting opposite Shaq Thompson, but yeah, I. Uh, looks like they signed Damian Wilson. I've seen that. I've seen that too many times before to be super excited about that but the front like the front front is good the front line should be good it Solid. should be good and honestly like, i like their secondary too yeah uh jeremy chin he might be like the best defender they drafted in that all defensive class uh back in 2020 uh like we say got jc horn coming back Hopefully love CJ Anderson. Horn. i thought he was yeah. awesome before he got hurt i was he so, was so good. so good so good and so fun to watch just so physical and sticky yeah. which is you know yeah. as advertised right that was his that's what we thought coming out of college but um just to come in the nfl immediately and play he looked really similar to how he looked in south carolina which is not easy right when you come in as this like you know press man guy and you're and you're given tough assignments but then he got hurt when was it like week four it was pretty early so yeah it was really, really so we're talking about a real small sample size but what we saw i thought was pretty sick yeah he, he looks good i mean the the secondary to me, what makes this defense interesting is like at the start of the season, I, and I think they changed it a little bit as the season went on, but they were kind of playing like this Rex Ryan style of defense where it's like, all right, we're going to blitz a hell and play man yeah. coverage on the back end because we have the horses to hold up. And I think that this is kind of, this can kind of be uh, something similar. You know, you got Dante Jackson back, like we said, JC Horn, CJ Henderson, 
like if you squint, all three of those guys like have man coverage potential at a high level. I think. Uh, I think CJ is probably the the biggest question mark yeah. in that group. But even him as like your third cornerback is uh, a pretty strong dice roll. So you know, I, 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 the Panthers they kind of fell into this team last year, which to me is one of the most boring teams to watch where you have good defense, bad offense. Mm. And now they, they should have at least, a, 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 unless unless people get hurt, this offense should be average, you know, above average, I think. Uh, my, Dan, my man Dan Orlowski got roasted a little bit for saying if they are twenty twenty if they get 2020 Baker, this is a playoff team. But then I thought about it. I was it's, not it's not crazy. It's the NFC, first and foremost. Um, it's the and South. it's the NFC South, <laughs> and like like you said, as we go through the depth chart, this is like we're, we're, this is not a barren depth chart at all. Um, no. I do think it's funny that like I, I think w- the CJ Henderson trade week w- after JC Horn got hurt, they sent uh, Dan Arnold and a third round pick to Jacksonville, and I think they got a mid round pick back, a fifth. Um, yeah, it was we- like nobody really t- kind of like flew under the radar, which is kind of crazy for. You know, a player uh, with C.J. Henderson's draft sock, you know, um, and mm-hmm. then he kind of just was underwhelming. But, you know, that that's one where I think immediate returns don't look great for Carolina. I also, by the way, we were talking about the Jaguars on NFL Live yesterday. And, you know, I was talking about how Doug Peterson's probably going to try some more two, two tight end stuff. And I was like, you know, and they have Evan Ingram and and I like I don't ever have these kind of brain farts on air. But Dan Arnold has such an accountant sounding name. I know. It's like I, know. Di- I was like D- John, Jim, Josh. It was so bad. But he's not bad, dude. He's not bad. No, he's um, not. He's, so he's annoying. He's annoying because I, he was on the Saints for a while, and I remember I think there was a it was a maybe a Thanksgiving game or sometime around that where I wasn't really working, and <laughs> the Falcons they just got carved up because because they got. Because the Saints, they were missing a bunch of players, and they just carved the Falcons up on national television. And I just had a, in a moment of frustration, like, oh, now the now the uh, Falcons are being carved by Sam Darnold too. He's catching out there, catching touchdowns. Dan Drew Brees, Sam so. Darnold, and Dan Arnold. That was also yeah. troubling. So that, yeah. that that needed to be separated. Um, yeah, a lot of. Well, yeah, I mean, oh yeah, we you talk you mentioned Jeremy Chin. I think. Um, more good pieces in the secondary is he's definitely a guy who will benefit from that. Um, obviously, you know, one of the more versatile defensive backs in the league. And I think um, if, if the more guys that they can have, I mean, Xavier Woods is back there, the more flexibility they can have in terms of deploying him, the better. Um, I think like just to kind of, oh, what? I just saw something horrible. Adam Schaffer just reported that Julio Jones signed with the Bucks. Oh, oh come on! <laughs> come on! Sorry, that's too loud to the God. mic. All right, let's just jump to the Bucks. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wait, well, okay, come on. Do, is Julio Jones now? Like, do we do we really? Let's start there. Let's just start there. R- ripping it up. Oh my God. Um, how do you feel about Julio Jones in twenty twenty two? I still believe that he has one good year left in him. I don't know if that's just like the irrational Julio fan. I think he's like the best I mean, receiver I've ever seen. I love Julio. He looked yeah. he looked pretty rough last year. He did. He did look rough, but I don't know. I, the the last time we saw him healthy, the with like the first eight games of twenty twenty, like he was still Julio. I don't know. Maybe I I think I I don't think he's like gonna be out here putting like fourteen hundred yards again, but. 
I don't, I don't see why he couldn't be like a really good receiver for the Bucks. I don't, I, I don't think that the story of Julio Jones ended with but, him getting to dispatch a Mike Rabel about practice. I'm glad you're so locked in that you had time to tweet, I'm going to vomit while we're taping this podcast. <laughs> Menace. I heard those clacks. Um, I want to upload the audio of us reacting to this. Um, okay. What one one well part of me is like what does this mean about Chris Godwin like are they worried about him but part of me is like it's the Bucks it maybe doesn't mean anything because they treat NFL players like Pokemon so like they just they gotta catch them all <laughs> like they don't really this doesn't necessarily mean that Godwin's like more hurt than we knew um, I I'll just say this even before the signing I was not concerned even if Godwin was out a little bit maybe if he was out an extended period of time I would be concerned but um, I tweeted about this when I was I forgot who I was watching. Oh, no, I was watching Matt Ryan separately for something. I think Russell Gage is, should be a number two. He is a number three on this team. Now, who the hell knows who, what, they're all freaking number threes. I don't know. Um, and I think the tight end situation is a little bit dicey, but I just was, you know, I, I Mike Evans, Russell Gage, Chris Godwin, let's just talk about Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. Yeah. It's good, man. It's good. You, you could do a lot more. You could do a lot worse than that. Get a damn bad tight end. Stick Mike Evans there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyle Rudolph. I forgot they have Kyle Rudolph now. Whatever. Um, yeah. God, I have, Julio, I have Julio on my Dynasty League. Watch him score more touchdowns in one season than he did in the in, like in the last five years in Atlanta. Oh, he will. He will for sure. This, this is the year that Julio turns into – the, the red zone goal line monster that everyone's like, why aren't you this guy yet? Oh, he just needed to oh play with God. souped up 45-year-old Tom Brady to figure that out. I, I, this is terrible. Can I tell you a deeply upsetting stat about Tom Brady? I was trying to like, so I was looking at the offensive line. First of all, the Patriots trading them Shaq Mason is a like Hague level offense. Because <laughs> it, it, it's bad. Let me flash back to the comment. At one point, this is when Brady was retired, uh, Marpet retired, Kappa was gone, and we were like, "All right, it's time for the rebuild. Let's do this." You know, the, the, I think we put put up a, a, their depth chart on air, and it was like all red, right? Because it was all free agents, and then they got pretty much everyone back. And if they didn't get everyone back, they replaced like. Shaq Mason might be better than Alex Kappa, probably, right? Um, you freaking get Russell Gage. I mean, obviously, Antonio Brown's better, but, you know, that's not a thing. Like, yeah. It's absurd. And so my, but I was looking at it because, I, you know, with Brady, the offensive line is probably the most important. Actually, you know what? Mm, I'd actually like to hear your thought of this. So for a long time, I was like, okay, the most important thing for Brady is you got to protect him, especially on the interior. But I do think he makes the, his offensive lines look so much better that you, maybe you don't have to be a great offensive line, um, which he's had for the most part in Tampa, because he is, his, you know, he's such a quick release and he still pushes the ball downfield. The upsetting stat I wanted to tell you. So the reason I I'd kind of said that in the past was Brady's statistics like over the last six years or so, they, they usually fall off pretty heavily when he's pressured, like to the bottom of the league. Like in 2021, he was he had the 30th best QBR when he was pressured. Last year, mm-hmm. it was eighth? Wow. How the hell is that possible? 
I don't know. I, I hate I mean, it. Well, I hate it. Don't ask me how that's possible because I have a lot of reckless, irresponsible opinions on okay. how yeah, 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 some yeah, of this yeah, might yeah, be yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, I mean, it's it's crazy that it's wild. You could have you could have easily made a case that Brady could have been MVP last year, yeah. and I I think that that that's really hard to like comprehend, especially at, at this age that he's playing at. And it, and to me, we're kind of entering into like uncharted we're not even kind of we've been in uncharted territories as far as brady goes because across if any other sport that you can think of like there's there's no 45 year old like there's or there's very few sports where like a 45 year old person is coming in and just dominating the way mm-hmm. that brady is and i know that the offensive line is good he's got a good coaching staff good supporting cast all this stuff like he's the engine that makes yeah. a lot of this go uh the decision making the accuracy, the arm strength is still top notch. I mean, uh, th- this this should be, I mean, obviously the favorites to win the NFC South. But I mean, to get back to the Super Bowl, given the NFC, it's kind of hard for me to be on the offense. Just like to look at this, the, look at this whole team and being like, all right, where is the point on their roster that they yeah. can't overcome if they get, you know, if if things start to get dicey for them because. They got Brady. They got everything else that you need. All right, let's pick nits. This is kind of with the really, really like dominant teams. This is just kind of how I'm approaching it. Like, let's try to find problems, right? Um, I mean, I would have said if Chris Godwin was out for some period of time, uh, unless he's out for like more than six games, I think they'll be fine. The, the beginning of the schedule is tough, by the way, though. So, um, I guess if Leonard Fournette is 400 pounds. That could be a problem. They did yeah. draft Rashad White, though, and they brought in Gio Bernard as a pass catcher. Or they have Gio Bernard. Yeah. <sighs> oh, um, coaching, <laughs> I'm not I'm not concerned about that because even though – so, you know, Arians is gone. I think we all kind of assume it's, you know, with Brady and Leftwich on offense, um, I think if – Bulls were to like so when he was with the Jets, you know, I mean, you, there's a lot of things you can point to for why he struggled. First and foremost, first and foremost of which is the roster. Um, he did play it fairly safe, so I guess if he tried to like dial back, but I don't just don't. I think he's just like the. There's no way Todd Bowles isn't the head coach of this team without Tom Brady being like, yeah, I got the offense. We're good. <laughs> like, it's, right, not, right. it's not going to be a thing. Right. And then, it, you know, the defense, is still, he's still an incredible defensive coach. <sighs> okay, let's switch to the defense. I got nothing. I, I don't think there's anything. This offense is, I mean, Tom it's Brady loaded. getting hurt. That's what it would take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, often, defensives, I think, where you actually can make a case that some things could go wrong. Because, you know, at times last year, some things yeah. did get wrong. I mean, they, this, this secondary was crazy banged up last year. And they did draft Zion McCollum, who's this, like, crazy athletic corner uh, out of Sam Houston. I, a lot of people are really excited about him. But, like, you know, it's not the deepest secondary. I mean, they brought in Logan Ryan. So so Jordan Whitehead being gone, um, Charles, I actually think is, like, low-key a little bit of a bigger deal than people think. Because I think he's a really good player. Uh, and yeah, they still have Mike Edwards, who's obviously played a fair amount. But, you know, that's, that you're losing a good safety. Logan Ryan, I guess, is probably going to be primarily a safety now. Um, you know, this is a very aggressive defense. We can talk about the pass rush in a second. Oh, I'll, I'll have another one. I mean, this is ridiculous. We're picking nits. I think if they lose, I, Le- I think if they lose Levante David, they're in a lot of trouble. I think so, too. That's the uh, one. That's the one I would point to. 
Yeah, Devin White, I, I think the, the splash plays are very exciting with him because there's just not a there's there's not a lot of humans on even in the NFL that can make uh, the plays that he does, and also you have like the big plays that he made in the Super Bowl. So I think it's, I think I get like why people will call him an elite linebacker, but to me, it's Levante Davis the thing that makes that thing go. And I think having someone like Levante David next to Devin White makes Devin White a lot of better, a much better football player uh, than he might be at his current state. But I, I, and I, I, I get like there's points to be concerned, but like you said, we're nitpicking here. But the depth that they added, especially in the secondary, I think, because it's always fun to me when a team gets decimated at a certain position and they go into the offseason just like never again. Like that's never going to happen to us again where we have to call Richard Sherman out of retirement to come see if he can play safety yeah, in the middle of the season. So, you know, you go out, you get Logan Ryan, you got Keanu Neal. Uh, like you said, you draft Zion McCollum in uh, day three of the draft. Like they've – They've, I think they've, they've addressed their secondary depth in a, a substantial way to the point where, you know, if guys start falling off again, you should be able to weather the storm, uh, you know, as long as Tom Brady is healthy on the other side of the ball. It's just, it's really hard for me to see without injuries, which you don't want to wish on anyone, like where this defense really falls off. I, the thing that I, was, I keep thinking about, holy crap, I would not want to run the ball in this defense. Yeah, I mean, so that, that's... Holy crap. So Sue is gone. And uh, JPP yeah. is gone, but like neither of those guys were playing their best football last yeah. year. The rest of this defense is, you know, I mean, like Raheem Nunez Rochez is such an underrated player, right? Like it's, it's like some of these, and they bring in Akeem Hicks, you know, who's been injured a lot, whatever. But again, it like doesn't really. There's just bodies. Like I mean, Akeem Hicks is a very, very, very good player when he's healthy. But um, yeah, you know, it's just. Like, Joe Tryanshinka is probably as good as JPP now. I think he's a little bit interesting. He's one to keep your eye on because um, I think I've talked about this. He might have been my X factor when I talked about this team with Steven, but uh, I thought he, as a pass rusher, he looked like he had more juice than JPP, but he's a very inconsistent run defender. Um, yeah. So I think he kind of needs to be a little bit more complete. But then they draft Logan Hall, which is a pick I really loved at the end of the first round. Um, you know, more of a three-tech I'd probably play a little bit further outside sometimes. Yeah, but. he's like your classic. Like when you look at these like three man fronts, he's like yeah. your classic build for one of those defensive linemen. Yeah, he yes, exactly. I really really liked him. Um, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's super strong, super like powerful, good run defender too, which I think will get him on the field. Yeah, I I, I think. They're just so deep. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just looking at this depth chart. The best thing I can come up with is if Levante David doesn't play. That's yep. that's an area where I think teams will attack. Yeah. Or I would say, I mean, you know, Davis did get hurt at times last year. It's a player I didn't think they'd be able to bring back. And, you know, I, you saw Sean Murphy bunting. Bunting had, certainly had ups and downs. But um, I, I do think that they have enough, as you said, where they'll be fine. I don't know. Oy. Yeah. Oy. Julio. This seems really good. I know. So I'm like, damn, 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 damn. damn. Exactly what I'm thinking. <sighs> All right. Let's take a quick break and then come back and let's go to the Saints. Let's put the Falcons off till the end. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, so I think this is the most interesting team in the division. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they don't adhere to any rules. Like they're, they're lawless. They're just doing Saints things all the they're time. They're so lawless. They're lawless. Like, also, they, they're... Like, they, it, I, I, I think we've talked about this once on this show, I think. They've gone all in on this season. And it's yes. hilarious. Because like, there's, there's really no... I, I guess for me, like, there's no reason to just put all your chips into this table. But I just, I as much as I hate the Saints as a Falcons fan, I do have to appreciate they that try. they're just one of these teams. They try, right? And they're they're not out here just uh, we're going to do it the same way everybody yeah. else is. I think you need one of these renegade teams to just kind of at least stir <laughs> the talking points. You know, like the amount of picks that the amount of picks and resources that they ultimately spent to get Chris Olave is amazing. The number of times they've traded up. So I was thinking like Olave and Marcus Davenport, but I forgot, like there's other players on this roster who that they've, shit, I wrote them all down. I think they traded up for Zach Bond, who's not been good. Uh, uh, Shit, I should have written this down when I read it. Um, There's a couple of guys in recent years that they've traded up for. And they just don't care. I get frustrated. Yeah, they did trade up for Zach Bonas, right? For the into the third round. They trade up for a Debo too? I don't uh, know. No yeah. Way. I don't know. But anyways. Oh, they, they'll trade for anybody. They they don't care. Um and on one hand, I do really like it because I like that they're trying to win, and I think that's a good thing generally. But it is I do I think it's it's hard because I never want to be like a stereotypical nerd, but the cap is fake stuff with some of my colleagues does get a little annoying when I'm looking at this offensive line. Right, right. Or right. I'm looking at, you know, just other areas. And you're like, dude, one the best free safety in the NFL just walked out the door, arguably, in Marcus Williams. Like, stop it. We don't have to do like the cap is real. They're just wild. It's, it's very real. Right. And I, I, I that's a great point because I think, some of the the cap is fake stuff. Like you 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 start to lose sight of like the actual quality of the players in yes. the roster. Like yeah, we can put together a fifty three, or you know a fifty three plus a, a practice squad. But uh, like you said, you lose Marcus Williams. It's someone you like to keep around for a while. You look at this offensive line, not quite as deep or as good as they have been in the past. And, like you're relying on you're relying on you know a lot of these pieces to just kind of get the speed real quick. You need. Caesar Ruiz to have a big year. You need Andres Pete to stop playing like Andres Pete. You need Trevor Penning to get up to speed quick. 
you, you, the one of the interesting things to me with losing Marcus Williams is, you know, I, like like you mentioned earlier in the show, I used to cover the Jets for the Daily News, mm-hmm. uh, so I I've seen Marcus May play a lot of football over his career. I, I would imagine that Tyron Matthew and Marcus May, like ideally, they kind of play the same position. So I'm really yes. interested to see how that work turns out too. And you know, it, it's it's cool, like you know, cap doesn't matter, blah blah blah. But as you get to you know year after year after year, and you start shaving a little bit off that roster every single time, right. you have to restructure stuff. You kind of get to a point where you're like, mm, not quite as deep. But right. to their credit, gotta say they've done a pretty good job drafting still well, over the yes. past few years. Even yeah, they, they had like the best one of the best maybe two year draft runs in like NFL history, right? And then, but since then they have gone some. But they did they did trade up for both of the table. I knew it. Um, they have found some some decent players. I think Chris Olave is likely to be one of them. Um, and so you know, there's there, this is gonna be a, they're definitely in the mix for the playoffs, no doubt. In part because, and maybe we should start here um, before Saint fans, Saints fans get angry. So I watched. I went back and watched Jameis Winston's last three games where he got hurt just to um, prepare for this. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was better than I thought. Or at least his last four games. Let me go to my notes. Um, so I thought, I, I, I remember at the time being like pretty underwhelmed. Like the offense was pretty conservative. I thought, yeah, he's like missing some throws here and there. And that was reflected, I think, in some of the the statistics for those six games especially is like his off target rate at various especially over 15 yards but when i back and watched dude these wide receivers stunk (laughs) stunk so um i actually think i I put a lot less of the blame on Jameis, um and and he did a lot of things that impressed me i thought the decision making thing is real i mean there, there are a couple of drop picks but for the most part i thought okay he's like mostly making good choices um, I thought he looked better as a playmaker than I remember him being. I don't know if he like lost weight or whatever, but he looked pretty feisty, kind of extending plays a little bit with his feet. And, um, you know, for the most part, like, I think he showed a willingness to like play in the structure of Sean Payton's offense. So I'm actually more optimistic than I remembered at the time in real time. And obviously now he has the benefit of having like a bunch of real wide receivers um, well, assuming Michael Thomas plays, uh, but you know, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, I'm fine with as a three Deontay Hardy, formerly Harris, you know, once he's not, as long as he's not like the number one wide wide receiver, right. uh, is a, is a really nice piece. I like Marcus Callaway again, like not as that Marcus Callaway was like the, the X receiver in this offense for a lot of games, but, um, you know, I like him certainly as depth, um, I think Alvin Kamara, who was absolutely horrible last year, was playing in a torture chamber. I think I tweeted about this. Yeah. And unreal. Like, just just this, some of the worst, worst run blocking uh, oh, I've, I've, I've seen in a while from this team. And, yeah, so, like, I think there's a, the, the offensive line would be, like, my biggest issue with this. Like, you're, you're asking Trevor Penning, who's, you know – played in the FCS to come in and replace Teron Armstead is a pretty tall ask. Um, especially because, you know, you, he does play next to, I mean, Pete and Ruiz. That's rough, man. I, I, I'm kind of surprised that they doubled down on Pete that the way they have over the past few years. Um, like, I don't know the, the decision-making that, that has you keeping someone like Andres people losing Marcus Williams. That's a little, little interesting to me. Uh, but you know, 
I I I think the whole thing kind of hinges on like how good Trevor Penning is because yeah. you you can you can you, I think we've seen offenses where like left tackle, center, right tackle, if those three spots are good. Maybe you can work around some stuff, but like if you're just working with Eric McCoy being good and Ramchick being good while Trevor Penning struggles, that's tough. And it, it's an interesting situation for Penning because this is a lot of pressure for him to be good, like right away. They're, yeah, this is a this is a team that's gone all in for this year, trying to get back to the playoffs, and he's going to play uh, a huge role in that in in their success on offense. Uh, and I, I, it's it, the the receiver situation is interesting to me too. Just kind of going back to where the Bucks were, where mm-hmm. they they went all in on their secondary depth. This is another instance where a team looked at how last year went and they said, nope, never again. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't be stuck where Michael Thomas goes down. 300 we, picks we, for Chris Olave. Right. And then we're going to sign Jarvis Landry and try to bring the, some of the same guys back too. So uh, they, they, as, as wild as, you know, their roster building strategy has been, this is like a still a pretty good roster. I think even if it's a little top heavy um, and I, like they, they should definitely be competing with the Panthers for, you know, second place uh, in this division. I, I just, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens past this offseason, which I know is kind of boring, crazy thing to say. No. As we, you know, a month before the season, but as soon as they made that trade up for Chris Olave, I'm like, what you guys got next year? Yeah. Well, they need Peyton Turner to be a thing. They need, yeah. like, they, you know, they just need some of the guys they drafted in recent years. Some of whom, like, you know, we can talk about, like, looks pretty good. Um, Including a Debo, <laughs> I mentioned. I thought you know he showed some stuff. Pete Werner, uh, the linebacker at Ohio State was pretty good too for them. I think he might be. He's probably going um, yeah. to start with Quan gone. Um, and before we move to the defense, though, I do want to ask. Like you know, I said what I think about Jameis. What, how do you come down on him? Like, all right, what are your expectations for him? You know, it's Pete Carmichael, but Sean Payton's gone. That's we should you know probably should have started by saying that. Yeah. That it, if what, Sean Payton was here, I'd probably have this team as a no doubter. Like I, you know, to get in, as a playoff team. But is Pete Carmichael like the longest tenured offensive coordinator that we be. know nothing about? Has to be yes. What what, what 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 do we know about Pete Carmichael besides he's just kind of been here with Sean Payton? The we're about to find out. Time. Yeah, I guess we're about to find out. But in terms of Jameis, like I don't know, I still feel the same way that I kind of always have. Like he's, I think he's really talented in terms of like all the physical and like, honestly, like even accuracy wise and mental wise, like I think he has a very firm grasp on like what it, what, what good quarterbacking tends to look like, but he has these moments where Black like guy. he thinks he's like Mahomes or Josh Allen. Like he just kind of blacks out and thinks, you know, the arms, not the arms a little stronger than it actually is, or he's a little faster than he actually is. And it kind of leads to these uh, hilarious plays. And it, it's, it's annoying because, when James was drafted in 2015 and we're still like the scouting report still the same. If you can get him to just stop acting crazy sometimes, like this is more than good enough to be your starting quarterback that I think can even get you to the playoffs. But with James, like it, it's always going to come down to, can you not make like the mistakes that compound uh, on top of each other? And with the rookie left tackle that I think needs some, some season before you can get where he needs to be. I, I'm, I'm a little interested to see how he deals with, getting back like getting pressure again coming off of the injury that he just had i had this defense in my top 10 i think deontay might have had them out of his top 10 if i, I don't want to miss miss nah. uh i think he might I'll have, misquote but... him then <laughs> well he had to fit the vikings in um <laughs> uh 
I there's just so much talent on this defense still, right? Yeah. Um, it, 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 so let's start with the secondary because you brought up a point that I think is really fascinating. Which so you're going from Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams, who had you know maybe the most defined roles of any safety duo in the NFL. Um, and, and with Williams too, I think because of his incredible range, they were just capable of. I mean, this is a, this is a you know a, a cover two man defense. They have to be the most in the NFL. Have to be by a, a pretty wide margin, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So Williams, you know, he you had the thing where you know you could have them both back there, and if Jenkins came down. Well, you you trusted Williams to just cover like just such a huge amount of space right behind him if if um he had to. Now you've got two safeties. You alluded to this who are kind of interchangeable, and so I'm curious to see like what does this change for the defense? Like, is it you know what are, is Dennis Allen is now the head coach? It'll be interesting to see how he handles that responsibility versus being a very very good defensive coordinator. Like, do you think this will change the identity of the team at all or the defense? Um, I'm not sure how much the identity is going to change uh, for the defense. I, I I just kind of think like the mesh between Matthew and May might be like a, a bigger storyline that maybe people are talking about. Because yeah. with May, he does have like experience playing single high because he, I don't know if you guys remember the uh, the memes from the old Greg Williams defense, the, the yes. angel spot where they're sitting back there basically for the whole world to see and they can see everything, including the hot dog guy at the stop of the uh, the top of the stadium uh he played that a lot while jamal adams was just kind of wreaking havoc in the box and then jamal got traded and marcus took over that spot and it was very clear marcus is he's a guy that can like function as a guy in the box like your slot defender that can kind of be a little jack of all trades in the box uh but matthew does his stuff really well too so i almost wonder like if they're just going to go back to maybe what the jets did a few years ago all right Tyron, you be the playmaker. Mm-hmm. May, you, you got to sit back there and maybe we'll just alternate as it goes. But if you're going to sit back and play a lot of cover two, a lot of too high, cover four, you know, the the zone match and man match quarters that we've seen really take over the NFL, it can't hurt to have two safeties that are both, like, pretty good playing close to the line of scrimmage. To me, it, it, like, when you start getting to, like, some of those deeper routes and receivers that can really run, I think this safety deal is going to put a lot more stress mm-hmm. in the corners maybe than they're ready for, but you got Mark, you got Marshawn Lattimore. I was going to say, still, yeah, this is why I'm not worried. Yeah. I still do the Marcus Lattimore thing. That guy didn't even make it to the NFL. It's crazy. If yeah. they, if it wasn't for this cornerback group, I might be like, all right, let's see how this works out and whether, you know, it impacts the corners. But, you know, in Lattimore and CJ Gardner Johnson, you have two top players at their position and then opposite them, they're figuring it out. You know, I talked about Paulson today, both they drafted the, um, Guy out of Tennessee, Alante Taylor. I know people really like yeah. him. I haven't watched a lot of him. Have you watched him much? Or uh, no, I just know a lot of people that I think are smart like him. People seem to like so. him. Um, so you know, there's options there on that side. Um, and then again, up secondary so good. Well, up front you have pretty much. I mean, just we talked about the Bucks, the depth on the Bucks D line. This Saints D line is still incredible with Onyemata, who's not going to miss half the season. They added Contavious Street, which I thought was an interesting signing, Shai Tuttle. Uh, and then behind them, you know, Demario Davis, who's like got probably one of the most remarkable careers in recent NFL history, who's just been absolutely so phenomenal and so complete for them and so significant to what they do on run defense. Um, it's hard for me to get worried about this unit. 
Yeah, the defensive line should be good. Uh, Cam Jordan, I don't know. He's kind of had that old man game for like a decade now. So <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not surprised that he's aging well. Uh, and he should have another big season. I mean, he, he's never really been a guy that even, even though like for his size, he did really have a pretty tremendous NFL combine. But like he's not one of these guys where you, you think about him, like Von Miller bent around the edge. He's going to play through you. And I think mm-hmm. that that kind of lends itself to uh, to getting older as a defensive, defensive end, if you can keep up your strength at least. So uh, this, 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 this defensive line should be damn good again. The one concern I do have is Marcus Davenport has had some weird injury stuff this offseason. Uh, shoulder surgery. I think he, like, lost half of his finger or something. I saw that. Um so if he's out for any extended period of time, you know, that is definitely pressure on Peyton Turner, who also got injured last year. So we don't really, I don't think they really know what they've got in him quite yet. Um, mm-hmm. So there's not, there's not a ton of depth at edge, I would say. That would be the one concern I have. But I just think they have too many, too many really, really good NFL players, even with, I guess the cap isn't real. Because <laughs> they, they're still good. It's not real if you draft well. Yeah. That's the that's the big caveat. It's not yeah. real if you draft well. Um, I think that this team success has to be at least a wild card spot, you know, to for you to feel good about it. Not so for the Falcons. So let us wrap <sighs> with your account. Let's start there. Like, what is what in your mind? Uh, for those who don't know, Charles is a Falcons fan. What does success look like? Um, I just I want one win against the Saints. Like if we can start off week one, beat beat uh beat New Orleans, and then really I just need one of Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter to show life. Uh, I I based on like the reports and like stuff that I've heard, I would be kind of surprised if like Ritter actually makes a push for the starting really? quarterback job. I, I think that okay, I it seems like Mariota's actually taken off with this a little bit. Uh, I don't know what that means for him or for the Falcons defense as far as things are going <laughs> along this summer, but uh, it, it, it appears like he has like a very firm grasp on uh, the starting quarterback. And, you know, Ritter was a third-round rookie. I think we got got to let him be a third-round rookie for a little bit, even if some of the, you know, even you know someone like me, like I would have taken him high second round where they took Armand Abiketti, uh, but he was still there in the third round. But, you know, I, I think that Mariota's a veteran. He's got some experience, at least knowing this offense, not necessarily playing well in it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Mariota's going to run away with the starting job uh, in training camp. So if you can get Mariota, if you can keep him upright, and let's say you can get something close to, like, the 2016 Mariota, this offense should be watchable. And if you can beat the Saints, be watchable, and mm-hmm. still be in a position to get me – Will Anderson or Jalen Carter in the draft next year, I'm running to the bank with that season. Mm. Uh, I've seen some people get a little carried away with like, oh, you've got Kyle Pitts, got Jack no, Lemon, no. CPAT. No, no pull, pull up this offensive talk. line, y'all. Let's, pull up that yeah, depth chart you, and then don't yeah. speak again. Um, I just want to interrupt this podcast to say one thing, which is Steve Kahn, if you're listening, Charles McDonald is fully engaged in this podcast while tweeting. So Zoomers can do multiple things at Zoomers. once. I detest that. I'm you're, millennial. You're a zoomer. Okay? What are you? <laughs> wow. I don't know what the cutoff is. I'm 28. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a young millennial. Are you a young? I'm a geriatric millennial. millennial. Mm. Don't yeah, love I'm that. Um, okay. The offensive line is why I have, I have no hope for this team. But 
Um, there are other things I like. I like Mariota. I'm a Seahawks fan. I would kill for Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little bit aggressive, but um, I-, I was posting some Mariota clips. I think I was sending you from that one Chargers game where he like w- with the Raiders in 2020 where he just went off. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like really one of the best games of his career. But I think he, he you can just do enough with him, right? Like, you know, we know what Arthur Smith wants to do on offense. We've seen it with Marcus Mariota, good and bad. It's not hard to imagine him, even with the terrible offensive line, with an improved group of gigantic playmakers. Holy crap. This has to be the biggest uh, skill group in the league, right? Oh, it has to be. Oh, my God. Uh, especially after they added Brian Edwards. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what this looks like because I thought maybe they might opt for someone who's a little shiftier and faster after getting Drake London, but nope, they're going all swole team on offense. And I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see it. Lot, see I, it move. I, at uh, least they, they, they're telegraphing. They want to be more physical than they were last year, but they didn't sign any offensive linemen. <laughs> I forgot. Auden Tate was on this team. Who's also enormous until I looked at the depth. Yeah. Um, I also forgot, but they're looking at the depth chart. They really are building Tennessee Southeast. You know, you, it's not just like, um, obviously, Mariota, but guys like Rashawn Evans or um, uh, Anthony Ferkser, you know, just kind of like marginal titans, like guys, uh, yeah. uh, they're just bringing them all in. Um, I can see the vision. The vision, you know, is the titans, basically. And you can see why Mariota would be the choice for Arthur Smith. Um, not that I, I actually think Desmond Ritter is capable of, I, I think Nate compared him to uh, Tannehill a little bit, maybe. Did he? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get that wrong. But, um, you know, there's definitely some similarities there, and he is athletic. I don't, who would you say is more athletic, Mariota or Ritter? Because I would normally say Mariota, uh, but then Ritter, think, Ritter's so much younger. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I think Ritter, like, might be more athletic, but I, I would prefer stronger. to have, like, Marriott as a, a ball carrier, if that makes sense. He's strong, uh, dude. I, the, the clip I posted, he's, he's like, strong. he breaks like three tackles and then mean mugs the camera, which might be the first time Marcus Marietta has ever done that. Um, he's <laughs> tough. He's a tough runner. So, okay, let's, let's just kind of fit to go back to the rubric of like what a success look like. Obviously, you don't really care. I mean, it's, you know, Mariota is a means to an end, which is kind of seeing who these, if you can get things going with Pitts in London and, you know, maybe a couple right. of other players and, um, by the way, I have Tyler Algier in my dynasty league and I am so psyched. About great that. Pick. I think it's a great pick. Yeah. Um, I liked him too. Separate from that. I liked him at BYU. I think he's a really tough runner and they need a tough runner because they do not have uh, yeah. real running backs on this roster. I, w- one thing I do want to throw out there though, is as great as Kyle Pitts was, uh, and as obvious it is, as it is that he is a true unicorn, um, there were games where he just like didn't show up or not. He didn't, I'm not saying he didn't show up, sorry, where he didn't produce. And I'd be curious to see your thoughts as to, do you think that was just simply the lack of weapons around him and defenses were just able to key on him too much? Was it Kitts himself, you know, or was it scheme? Like, what would you put that on? Um, I would, I would put it like, Kind of on on what Pitts, Matt Ryan, and Arthur Smith like okay, sorry all three of them. Uh, so I, I think with with Pitts, like there's a lot of times uh, where he would get open, and you know if he's not convinced the ball's coming his way, then sometimes he'll give up on a route, and you'll see the ball like sail over his head. And if he kept running, he might have been in the right spot. Like, there's a play against mm. uh, San Francisco last year where he's like wide open down the sideline, and he just kept running. 
that ball is going to land right into his hands. But, you know, I think it's a, just a young guy mistake to just stop running when you don't know if the ball's coming to you. Because especially when you're playing with a, a veteran yeah. quarterback like Matt Ryan, that's a bit different than Kyle Trask, who's just like, all right, I'm going to follow this play exactly how Coach drew it up. Because if I don't, I'm screwed when I get back to the sideline. Uh, with Matt Ryan, someone like Matt Ryan, you have a little bit more leeway on how you're going to kind of read these things out. And I think – I think for Pitts, like getting used to not like to used to having to still be aware when you're like the third option on a play uh, was something that he was still getting used to with Matt. There was just a lot going on last year between the offensive line, learning new offense, like a whole new set of skill players, uh, losing Calvin Ridley. I think there were times when he kind of got dialed in on something that he was familiar with, like Russell mm. Gage at times. Uh, yeah. You missed uh, Kyle Pitts. And then with Arthur Smith, there's just like there last year, there was just some inexplicable personnel usage especially like in the early and middle portions of the year where it's like all right well we're in we're within like the 20 yard line why is Kyle Pitts coming off the field for Felipe Franks or for Lee Smith like let's kind of think about the the level of talent that we have here and even if he's not going to convert these red zone chances that he tried because I mean he only converted one for the season uh against the Jets early in the season uh then maybe we can still just get him on the field to be like a decoy at least. Right. It, it's bizarre because I have to believe that I like, I've seen him do it in college him being just a dominant red zone weapon. I don't have any believe, reason to believe why you can't do it in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, I think all three of those things, obviously Matt's gone on to Indianapolis. I think uh, Pitts as a player should have a better feel for how being in the NFL works than Arthur Smith I, I thought that there was a better vision of what this offense should look like as the season went on, mm. but they never really had the horses to get it going, especially up front. Like that, that's where, <laughs> that's the well, huh? I've got, I've got There's bad no news for you. How did they wait okay. until the sixth round to take, like, I know why they didn't sign anyone because they were broke and have like $500 million in dead money next year, this year and next year. But how do you not draft anyone? I mean, so, okay, just to know. refresh. Jake Matthews, fine. Chris Lindstrom, who's the right guard, fine. Good, actually. Yeah, I think he's good. Jalen Mayfield. Bad. Who, who's the center? Hennes- Matt Hennessy or Drew Dahlman? Matt Hennessy. Matt Hennessy. Uh, he he graded well from Pro Football Focus. That was baffling to me because I, I thought he was pretty bad last year. McGarry, right tackle. <laughs> I saw that they brought in Jermaine Effetti. He's probably better than McGarry. So. Oh, yeah, but whatever. It's still, like, I mean, God. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that assessment, but also, like, you're starting J- Jermaine Effetti. <laughs> oh, Elijah Wilkinson. It's rough out here. I know that name. Yeah, um, yeah it See, is yeah, rough here, Here's there. how bad the Falcons' offensive line is. They drafted Justin Schaefer in the sixth round. First of all, he was not the right Georgia offensive lineman to take. The Chargers got Jamari's salary uh, a few picks later. But in the sixth round, I I think that Justin Schaefer might be talented enough to beat out Jalen Mayfield. And I don't think that Justin Schaefer should be starting NFL games like anytime soon over the next like three seasons. So it's rough, man. I I, I it's just it's it's peak Falcons to me to just we want to get more physical, right? We're gonna go out and we're gonna draft Drake London. We're going to trade for, you know, uh, Brian Edwards. We're going to sign Alden Tate. We're going to draft Tyler Algier, this big bruising back from BYU. Mm, offense, whatever. Offensive line, I mean, eh. why, why are you getting more physical at the skill spots? Let's get physical with the guys who actually hit people every play. But that's what they do. That's just what they do. Stephen Holder, 
my teammate now just tweeted something kind of spicy. I think the fact that the Colts never seriously considered Julio Jones, despite having a very young wide receiver group and after trading for his former teammate, Matt Ryan, is very telling. Steven, ouch ya. Um, just calling him Wash. Yeah, I've I've had some questions about where Matt and Julio's relationship was by the time. Like, oh yeah, was there was some some weird yeah. stuff there at there's, the end. There's a little weird stuff there uh, at the end. Julio, I mean, you know, he definitely he, he wants to win, man, and uh, he hasn't has been in that situation yet. He gets a little Atlanta being in Atlanta does weird things too. Okay, I I think success for the Falcons defense is literally one thing, which is if Arnold Evacati looks good. <laughs> yep, that's yeah. it. Uh, right? I, I mean, well, I, we I know AJ Terrell is good. We know AJ Terrell is. Oh, and JD. I mean, Brady Garrett, Jarrett comes back to life. That's a good one too. Yeah, because I I think last year with Grady, it, it was like a combination of you're moving to a new scheme and. Help fighting for your life. Every I was just, I was just about to say that. Like some of it is like, you know, I, I saw people saying, well, you know, his BFF grade was lower or whatever. He didn't produce. But I'm like, dude was literally. If Chris, if Chris Lindstrom was like that on the offensive line, Grady Jarrett was like that on the defensive line. Like what you said, like the John Snow gif. We were just like, oh, I don't yeah. know, man. <laughs> Let's, yeah. Um, I'm mean, so bad it, around it, him. It, so bad. It's startling if you go back and watch last year's Falcons film, the defense. How many plays there are where Grady is getting double teamed, and you have just a line of single blocks, and no one's beating their man. Like it's so, like you said, Abiketti, that's going to be really, really important for them. I think uh, AJ Terrell need to see him just continue to do what he's been doing because mm-hmm. I, I think because last year the coverage stats were just wild. Well, I was thinking like so, so they signed Casey Hayward, which I thought was one of the Casey Hayward was like one of those perennially un, perennially underrated NFL players, like Adrian Amos. We were like, ah. Oh. Why isn't he paying him more? He's the good player. Yeah. So I like that to them. I think it means, though, that AJ Terrell is actually going to get targeted a little bit more. So he yeah. might be, like, tested a bit more because, you know, he's not surrounded by incompetence. Yeah, I'm, like, sneakily excited for this cornerback group because the interesting piece to me coming back is Isaiah Oliver. Because yeah. uh, he, 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 his career, yeah, his career arc is interesting because I remember when he got drafted, he was supposed to be billed, like, you know, the mold of guys like Richard Sherman, Brandon Brown are like these big out physical outside corners. And then his best work came in the slot after they had to move him there due to the necessity, I think, because Kendall Sheffield wasn't working out. And then he, he ended up playing really well there. So I know he missed last year, but if he can kind of pick up where he was in 2020. And Casey Hayward doesn't like hit that, oh, I'm 33 years old, I'm about to fall off a cliff season. Uh, hmm. That cornerback trio could be worth watching on a very, very bad football team. <laughs> Uh, why didn't Richie Grant play more? So Richie Grant, second round pick, right? UCF safety, shaped like a box, that, kind yeah, of he was shaped like someone job, someone borderline a first round pick, um, really second round. Huge, huge playmaker in college, you know, just insane statistics in terms of on the ball production. And then he, I guess they played him like in the slot a little bit. I don't even remember seeing him on the field. So I was hoping you could actually explain oh, he to me. Played last year. Was he? I mean, what? What was uh, the story? I mean, just reading between the lines of what like Dean Pete was saying all season didn't really seem like Richie had a, mm-hmm. a great grasp on the defense. Uh, which, I mean, I can imagine as a, a rookie safety, learning just getting thrown in the Dean Pete system was kind of difficult. Like, I wasn't surprised that at the start of the season they opted for the veterans with uh, Theron Harmon and Eric Harris. And then I think once Eric Harris got hurt for the season, you got to see uh, – Richie Grant played a little bit more. Uh, I know Terry Fonda was really high on him, so 
still really high on him. So we'll see what happens with him this year. But you 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 need to get some production out of that pick or else quietly that that draft last bad year draft. is looking all time bad outside Tough. of how picks. Like you got you got the easiest selection right. Like basically the one player that everyone was saying for the most part, maybe outside of Trevor Lawrence, like unquestioned number one player in the draft class with Kyle Pitts. And I don't want to give you too much credit for that because outside of that, you might have whiffed on like every single pick. So we'll um, see what happens. I'm kind of intrigued by the Troy Anderson pick. So yeah, as a, as, a, as a dice roll, you know? It's a dice roll. Um, so Troy Anderson, Montana State, linebacker, second round, just absolute athletic freak. Um, but, you know, yeah, coming from a small school. Yes. Yeah. I, the, the <laughs> he's only played line, didn't the, he only play linebacker for like two seasons or something? I mean, or yeah, one season? He, like, he's very inexperienced. Yeah, he played quarterback before that. And oh, interesting. Because I, I, didn't, I, I didn't really know who he was until uh, after the Falcons had drafted him. So I went back and watched the tape and I was texting, you know, my little nerd chat. I was like, yo, this guy plays like he just started playing linebacker. And then someone hit me. Oh, yeah, he's playing quarterback a few seasons ago. I was like, that makes sense why he's on his ass every time there's a fullback in the hole mm. or he's got to hit a, a guard. So I, I thought that the plan for him was cool. Like, we'll take him in the second round just because – we're a rebuilding team and simply put, there aren't many like six, four, 240 pound guys that can run like he can. And then we're going to put him behind Rashawn Evans and Nick Kiewikowski for this season mm-hmm. and see what happens next year. So uh, I like the plan. I think some of the stuff that Troy Anderson does in coverage is really impressive, especially like in zone when, you know, he's got to play cover too and they stick him right in the middle of the field. He's got the range to run everywhere. And I think also that's kind of where you see, the former quarterback stuff come out in a positive way where, you know, you're reading the routes almost like a quarterback does and he's really mm-hmm. going to take himself away. But when it comes down to like the physicality of playing linebacker, I think he needs like at least a year of season before mm-hmm. he's really ready to contribute. But it seems like that's what they're about to give him. Yeah. Versus Ebby Katie, who I actually thought was looked, you know, amongst the first two round edge rushers looked pretty pro ready. Um, yeah, he's ready to play today. Yeah, so are they just going to cut Deion Jones? I don't know. I they, I don't really know what what's what they're going to have how they're going to like move on from the situation because when well, he's on the PUP list now, uh, I, I it seemed like right. this shoulder injuries kind of came a little late in the summer, so you're kind of stuck with him right now. And I can't imagine that really anyone will be wanting to trade for him right now based on what he's put on film the last few seasons. So. We were texting uh, that, about this. That's one of the weirdest yeah. downfalls, like or declines yeah. rather, in recent <laughs> NFL history. I mean, that he was so good when he what was dominant. It, what was his best season? Was it 2017 20, or? 2017. Dominant. Just dominant. Sideline to side. He was like, we we're like, oh, this is what linebackers in the NFL look like now. Like you got to be this guy to play, right? In terms yeah. of his just yeah. coverage abilities, the physicality, uh, smart player, and then he just just disappeared I, it's, yep. it sucks yeah i i, really I don't sucks. really know because because they're you know and obviously this is a big point of contention on falcon's twitter it's like uh mm. he wasn't a fit for dean p's defense I'm like eh, maybe not but also like the last mm. year of dan quinn's defense he wasn't very good either so i don't really know what what the deal is here i would i i feel like if you go back and you look at what he was in like 26 it's called 2016 through 2018 you, you're, you're going to tell me that that if he was still that caliber player, Dean Pease wouldn't love having him on the field 
uh, all the time. Like you're going to run these sim pressures and you have a linebacker that can actually like run sideline to sideline and intermediate portion of the field. Gives you a lot of flexibility to create a defensive coordinator, but for mm. some reason, he's just not that guy anymore. Mm. It's a shame. Um, so I figured, like you said, yeah, Evans, who Pease obviously has some comfortability with, who's fine. He's fine. Um, you know, I mean, he was he's, he was a first round draft pick, and I don't think you know he's looked at that way now. But you know, solid player. Um, Kwiatkowski, I didn't see him on the depth chart but that makes sense uh yeah i think like so i I kind of feel the same so just to wrap kind of go back to what i said from the jump you know we talked about expectations let me just wrap by asking you this do you think this could be the worst team in the nfl um no i i it's they're definitely like bottom three bottom four in that category but i i think they have more talent than the bears so Mm. that's why I would go them not being the worst team in the NFL. Because, I, I mean, I look at the Bears receiving talent and I'm or skill talent in general. I'm definitely going to take the Falcons over that. And then it's kind of a wash everywhere else. Mm. So, like, it's it's bottom three, I think. I think people, you know, some fancy people might be getting a little ahead of themselves with the skill talent here because the offensive line is bad and you mm. still have, you're still relying on a lot of young guys. But for the most part, eh, this is going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Right on that happy note, uh, let's take a quick break and then come back with a few more questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, five questions for Charles, four from me, one from my co-host, Lenny. Charles, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Question number one. David Bakhtiari on the pup list missed an entire season due to, it was ACL, right? It was the initial injury. Um, Yeah. What is your concern level if he if he's not out there week one, what is your concern level for this Green Bay offensive line? Uh, ten, like very high. Wow, because uh, you have Ellen Jenkins is on the PUP list too, right? So that's an two yeah. of your best starters. Yeah, it's it's him plus Ellen Jenkins. Like that's a those are two really key parts. Maybe ten's a little bit high, but like eight. Uh, because you know they, they still do have some nice finds. I think John Runyon Jr. is actually pretty quality. Uh, offensive line for them, but you need those two guys. Those are the keys, and I'm 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 a little I'm I would like to know a little bit more information about like what's going on with Boxiari. Like, is this a mental thing that he's struggling to get over? You know, because he did play last year. Uh, he played against uh, the last game he played. I think was that Week 17 game against Detroit. Came out at halftime, and we just haven't seen him play yet. So I don't know like how much is physical, how much is his mental. Maybe he's a little bit overplaying football. I'm not sure, but they need him back out there because uh, the, the wide receiver room, they're going to need something to help cover that up. Right. I know Aaron Rodgers helps, but the offensive line would be a good help. Too. No, it's like if you're going to be this very like run-centric team and you know, even with Rodgers getting the ball out very quickly as he did last year, I think you're, a lot of it has to do with like, okay, if, if that's not the – if our skill players are a very clear weakness on the, the wide receivers on this roster, what are we good at, right? And um, 
I agree. That is a concern, especially with the lack of depth at tackle. We are doing the NFC North in very soon, two weeks, I think. Um, okay, question two, different division. Um, I had trouble answering this yesterday, so I'm hoping you just give me the right answer and I can steal from now. Who comes in second place in the AFC East? AFC East? Um, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not a two a believer. We'll see what happens. Two and on. Get at me. Okay. Yep. People really, um, really are like now, I feel like, uh, engaging to Anon at this point, like egging him, egging them on. Yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill is the, the leader right now. Two is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Is he, though? Because I actually no. think, yes, I actually think all this is horrible for Tua. Yeah, it's What bad. he's doing. Like, yeah. Why are you, like, he, he's, he, he seems really salty that Kansas City. Yes, it does seem. This is some serious yeah. X yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, like, he's working hard, it out. So. He's working it out. Coke, um, Coke, Coke yeah. uh, <laughs> okay. Question three. Um, so there's been multiple QB rankings over the last few weeks. Basically, you're just, you know, it's July. I actually really enjoy seeing these because I know everyone gets kind of like stirred up about it. And first of all, it's like good content. But, you know, it's a good reminder that like a lot of people who do this for a living have really bad takes. I don't know. I think that's useful to know, right? Because sometimes yeah. people treat like, they're like, well, if the NFL did, didn't, you know, or this, this contract, it's like, that must be it. And it's like, no, dude, like people mess up all the time. Um, but along in, in the spirit of that, you know, as we talk about who's underrated and who's overrated, I was wondering, is there a quarterback that you feel like you're higher on than people? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, a quarterback that I'm higher on. I mean, is Kyler Murray an acceptable answer? I've been saying that because, about myself. Yeah, because honestly, I was surprised when he got paid. How many people were like, wow, that's a lot for Kyler Murray. And I was like, is it? Is it really? Like, I, I know that he's had, uh, he's definitely had like some stretches towards the back half of seasons where uh, it definitely starts to fall apart on you and it, and it, it looks pretty bad. But like, we've seen him put together weeks months of like mvp yeah. caliber quarterback play Ooh. Um, okay i have a galaxy I, brain, I have a galaxy brain take right. what what if the cardinals got deandre hopkin popped the first six games so that they're better in the second half of the season we can start game planning now cliff kingsbury was like no 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 not gonna happen to me again this year we're going to be yeah. bad in the beginning of the year, and then we get our number one wide receiver back in the back half. I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what this passing game looks like the I first know. six weeks of the season. Well, Kyler, Rondale, Andy Isabella, Marquise Brown. This is the smallest passing game in NFL history. Yeah, that is. It is very small. There is that's okay. It's the opposite of the the Falcons. Can I throw? Can I throw another quarterback at you? Because I recorded yeah. a podcast with Foxford yesterday. And oh, nice. How about Daniel Jones? Is he quite as bad as people are making him out to be? Well, where do you think people are making out to be? Like I said, like this bottom five quarterback? No, no. Yeah, actually, no. He, he actually did finish like thirty first or thirty second in the tiers. I think. No way. I have eaten shit on this. He is better than I expected. Do I think yeah, he's a top he's ten? Or I don't think he's. I don't think he's a top fifteen quarterback. But I would put him firmly in that like twenty to twenty five range. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like you should, if you have pieces around him, I think you should be able to have a competent offense. So yeah, I'm 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 expecting some stuff from the Giants this year. I kind of am too. I I just think Dable, 
skill players can't be as bad. Lines should be better. I don't know. I, 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 I am, I'm more optimistic on them than it seems some people are. All right, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. You ready? Yep. God, so many directions Lenny could go in on this today. I know, this is terrible. Um, well, Lenny's going to stick to the news because, you know, he is a news hound in a literal sense. How, how would you react if Julio retired as a buck after winning the Super Bowl? Um, I will be very happy for him while I'm cleaning up my own puke off of my shirt. Uh, <laughs> that, that's how I feel. Because I, I, I desperately want him to get a ring. Uh, and I want him to have another good season to prove to all of the Falcons fans. Because Falcons, Falcons Twitter is at the point like where we're so defeated, we just fight each other a lot. And there was a lot of stuff oh, no. where, you know, people were saying, Julio, it was like, okay to move on. no heresy i say i think he's got one good season left in him i'm rooting for him i would love for him to get a super bowl ring even if it's tim tampa bay and like i said i will clean up the puke off myself if that happens and also i can't believe this is the second time you've had me on when big julio jones news dropped because last year when he was on shannon sharp show you had me on that same day like five <laughs> minutes after that happened and you caught me again today when he gets signed by the bucks during the show so okay. I, I, hopefully the next time he, I, I'm on next off season, he's just retiring because I can't take this anymore. Lenny has one follow-up question. Okay. How would you feel if he wins the Super Bowl, retires with the Bucks, and then wears a Bucks helmet at Canton? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even wear helmets. I don't I, know why I, I said I, that. I, <laughs> it's I, not like I, baseball. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, like, if, he, if he acknowledges himself as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer when he goes to the Hall of Fame, well, then what if I he says nothing him. about the Falcons and only is like, thanks to Tom Brady, you made my dreams come true. I might go work in a cubicle for the rest of my life. That, that might have to be what, what gets done. Thank you, Charles. You're welcome. <laughs>